Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. Experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And our guest today is none other than Dr. Geek of Dr. Geek's Laboratory a.k.a. Dr. Scott B.K. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. And, um, so, blown anything up lately? <laughs> Actually, you'll be surprised how often Workshop 7 Blue Sector explodes in, in a year. Uh, and, 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 in fact, it happens so often that we actually have a, a new uh, phrase when doing our episodes. We call it Smoke to Black. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> so you are, um, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Geek, Dr. Scott Vigate is a real doctor. Uh, yes, you I have, am. You have a doctorate in both law and in archaeology. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, what can I say? I'm kind of a, a, addicted to education. And uh, I've done a lot of things that start with A, you know, actor, author, uh, attorney, and uh, archaeologists, and and now if I do anything more, uh, my wife demands that I move on to the bees. Uh, you know, biochemistry, uh, ballerina. She doesn't care, just as long as it's something that begins with B. Buckaroo bonsai. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, a hero of mine. <laughs> and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of easy to see why, because you know, in the films, Buckaroo bonsai was this. Uh, rock star, brain surgeon, adventurer, explorer, and you're this archaeologist, doctor of law, uh, um, and science uh, fiction and superhero, and science <laughs> fiction superhero, and there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, all we need is the uh, was it the Hong Kong Cavaliers? It would, it would be great. Um, and and uh, I can just slot you in there, Gene, for perfect Tommy. It'll be perfect. He is perfect. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is uh, it is pretty cool. We you know uh, we've done a lot of things uh, beyond our radio show. Now we've actually uh, did a, a few short stories. One of which came out last year, and uh, it, it's been really kind of fascinating to write the characters uh, in the different forms. You know, we've also done now a couple of things uh, visually. That you know, mm -hmm. would say, I, I guess, like the the proto startings of a uh, web series for Doctor Geek. Uh, and so, you know, what we were able to get away with in video, uh, in audio is so much more difficult in video, but it's been a lot of fun to meet that challenge. 
Oh, it's like the um, the old time uh, radio ad demonstrating how cool radio could be for advertising. That was Dave <laughs> yep. building building a, a hot fudge sundae in Lake Michigan. Try that on television. <laughs> dropping a 500 pound cherry into the whipped cream on Lake Michigan. Yeah, it's a lot easier in radio. Um, but yeah, you know, we've been, we've been having a lot of fun with it. And in fact, uh, you know, I'm get to, uh, announce that today we are actually regenerating the Dr. Geek Science Fair. Uh, if, if uh, the listeners out there uh, remember, about a year ago, we did a live event and we took over the South Florida Museum. And it was a massive success and it was a lot of fun to do. And, uh, we're, you know, the first thing someone asked me when we were done was, okay, great, but can you do it somewhere else? Can you replicate that? Can you bring it to me? And we looked at what worked and uh, what what was the essential elements of the Dr. Geek Science Fair. And we said, well, here's the thing. Part of the reason that this was such a success was because the South Florida Museum was so awesome. I mean, we had such a wonderful working relationship with them. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to find a, another venue that would just open its doors so freely and, and open to us and allow us to do like what we did there, which was uh, actually uh, make a reference to each one of their exhibits and their main exhibits and tie it back from science inspired by fiction. So assuming that you can't get a lightning in a bottle twice with regards to a venue, uh, we actually spent the last year creating a traveling show that can go anywhere in, uh, from a, a museum to a, a library event to other uh, science centers, you know, heck, even the mall. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pull a Tiffany, right? And, and, and bring it to the mall near to you. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's really kind of uh-huh. cool. Uh, we call ourselves a steam powered experience. And that's because, uh, we've d- done something where we have an activity related to each letter of steam for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Aha. Uh-huh. And, and that's, well, and it's, uh, it, it hooks the people who are there for the steampunk, you know, and then stay because it's actually real. Yep, yep. It's it's It's, like STEM education only with art involved to make it all worthwhile. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I've always said that Dr. Geek's laboratory and its various uh, related projects are always been STEM outreach as from the inception. But we decided that, let's be fair, you know, we are using our art to further STEM. So it made sense to add the A for art in this activity and to allow people to show, and it, and it was a better way to, to show how it all connects, you know. And, and so uh, what you are actually able to do is you will come to the event and each one of these pavilions has an activity for you to do. There's a, a, a little scene where you see Dr. Geek and some of the other people who are in the laboratory introducing a concept to you, whether it be, bionics or flying cars or robotics or stuff like that. And then there's actually a point where you get to step in and help out and actually do a tiny little virtual experiment. And then uh, you get to record a, a bit to be inserted into a future episode of Dr. Geek's Laboratory. The number of episodes of the Event Horizon that has mentioned flying cars is now one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, I that's could, okay. So it, it, it's it's been a, a lot of fun 
uh, to be able to create this new thing. And our target is for school-age kids, but actually it's fun for the entire family. And I, I can tell you this much. It, it's been uh, – it was a lot of fun to film those elements for the fair. But, you know, I'm the, the, the head writer as well, right? So I give myself these paragraphs of, of uh, dialogue, and I sit there on filming day going, okay, who was the idiot that did this to me? I'm like, oh, that's right. I did it to myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's well, it's like, uh, you know, when George Lucas was writing dialogue for Star Wars, the actors would come back to him and say, you can write it, George. You but just you can't, can't say, say this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and and you know, uh, and of course, uh, those that are are uh, followers of Doctor Geek's Laboratory know that our wonderful cast, our voice cast, is all over the United States. Mm-hmm. So uh, in order to make sure that everybody was represented, you know, we found a way to include. Uh, everybody with using uh, audio either either they show up uh, directly in the episodes in the little mini uh, episodes of the the science fair or they'll show up in the special episode when you come back to dr geek's laboratory i want a dr geek's lab event near my house how can we get one Oh, how can we get one? Well, you can uh, contact us and let us know that you're interested. You know, we're actually uh, trying to figure out what is the easiest way to do this and and how can we uh, do a traveling show that we can reproduce so often. Uh, so the first time we, we are doing that with the new show is going to be at the end of July, July 30th, uh, here in the town of Celebration. That's the uh, town that Disney built. Mm-hmm. And we've sort of taken over town hall for the day. Uh, so, and it's a free event. So anybody, please, if you're uh, anywhere near the Orlando area or uh, come to Celebration and come to uh, 851 Celebration Avenue and uh, on Saturday, July 30th from 1 to 5. And you'll be able to come and experience the new Dr. Geek Science Fair uh, for the first time. And both uh, Dr. Geek and Claire will be there in person. Yeah, I listen to Dr. Geek's Laboratory every day because I run the station, of course, but I really enjoy it. And it's, uh, Mm. it's, and we know you have an in with Claire. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's just, it's kind of freaky, you know, because I'm used to Dr. Geek not being this interactive experience. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Actually, it's a lot of fun. I mean, most people, I think, realize once they see the names that uh, Mm -hmm. Claire is played by my wife, Debbie. And what what is great is the, 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 um, Way we're able to play off of one another. I mean, Deb loves Claire because it actually uh, allows her to be what? What did she say? Uh, A big bear with no boundaries. You know, (laughs) what? What what if she basically whatever her id comes up with, she can just do. And and I think that's what's Uh so great about the characters because you know she is enabling Doctor Geek to do all these wonderful things as long as it can come up with some sort of product that she can eventually market. And, and uh, you know, Claire has a list of, of wonderful inventions that she would like, you know, self-cooling cola bottles is a, is a big one, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and I really like the way that the character has become a bit of a frenemy. You know, when she when it started yeah. off, she yeah. was this big hatchet that was going to come and, and, you know, 
and fire everybody at the end of season one and, and all that stuff. And, and now I think, well, she may have drunk a little bit of the Kool-Aid and, and I think we've gone, kind of found common terms, I think a little bit over the next year or so. And, uh, actually what's really cool is that in season three, which is the stuff that we're in production with right now, uh, we're going to go back to the parallel universe uh, that we saw at the uh, middle of season two, and we're actually going to see Empress Claire. Uh, so, so that's going to be a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I was... Uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Empress Claire. Uh, there was that episode, and um, I think it was about... Yeah, uh, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking episode seven or episode eight of the first season where, mm. um, where Zed stuffed Dr. Geek and, and the gang through the fourth wall generator. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And we had to, we had to leap our way home. Yes. Uh, yeah, that yes, was, that was fun. I enjoyed that. You know, one. It, what was what was cool about that is that the original idea was that we were, were going to spend, you know, an episode uh or two in the multiverse uh and and stuff like that. But then we realized, well, we've got a problem because uh, it, it's going to take a lot of effort in order to set up that multiverse uh, and uh, and make each universe separate. So let's just have more fun with it. And and, and so I, I like how we came up with a, the kind of a short answer for all the different ones, like the the one that where they use magic instead of science, and uh, and winter was coming, you know, and, and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a it was a lot of fun. And and at one point. We were kind of hoping that we were going to have the original Mr. Creature show up uh, in the multiverse. And uh, I, I talked to Sasha about it, and he was all game for it, but uh, life didn't work out that way. Just too many things going mm-hmm. on in his schedule and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, we might have a, 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 a surprise in the next season, so it would be kind of cool. Just the realization that that the inverse of Claire is not, a good Claire. Yeah, right. <laughs> that makes our Claire the good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the thing that Dr. Geek mutters under his breath. Try not to think about it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Thing Moving at a time. on. <laughs> so, um, boy, I, you know, trying to move an entire show like that. Yeah. Uh, and be, to be able to do it on a regular basis, you almost need your own truck, don't you? Oh, and, and not a, yeah. And yeah, not yeah, a yeah, small yeah. one. A, a, a groovy hover flying truck, that would be nice. Uh, would... Failing, failing that, a nice step van would, yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. would yeah. be really useful. It's not the mystery machine, it's the science van. Yeah, it's, it's the Geekmobile. With great big square sides that you could paint really big Dr. Geek graphics on. Yeah, I, I we're going to eventually... I mean, it's something that can kind of fit in a trailer. It, it's really kind of cool. When uh, we designed it, you know, we said it's kind of like a, a traveling medicine show, you know, if you, if you think about that. Oh, yeah, kind okay. Of, kind of ideal. And and the um, travel cases that everything collapses into uh, has this sort of Area 51 crate kind of look to it. Uh, so huh. you get the idea that top men helped Dr. Geek <laughs> Uh, no, wait, what who, kind who? of men uh, did you top say? Men. Top men, Not top yes. women. You notice? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. a, yeah. That's an Indiana Jones reference. I got that one. 
Yep, yep. Spoilers. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's really it's cool. pretty cool, but it's really kind of a, a, a uh, uh, it, it's not that easy to transport. So you know, we're we're working yeah. to we're working with with uh, venues such as science centers and stuff like that. But also, we want to be able to reach out to the community in different ways. You know, we do a lot of library outreach and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. You know, if people are interested, they can contact me at scott at drgeeklab.com and, and let us know that you're interested in, in uh, hosting a, a Dr. Geek Science Fair event. I'm actually working with uh, – we've actually set up the Vigay Foundation, which is a 501c3, uh, in mm-hmm. order to uh, d- get charitable contributions to kind of pay for all this sort of thing because uh, I really don't want to uh, charge the, the, the attendee uh, a ticket or anything like that. This is outreach. We're trying to get – people excited about science and so there's other but at the same time it still needs to be paid for so there's other things we can do to try to do that uh so we've tried to come up with different options to make it easier and then you know hey if we get a, a benefactor who really wants to get behind us heck we'll fly anywhere uh and we have the ability to do so it's it just we have to make sure we have the internet with us and it's all good well and uh now that you are a 501c, you can do things like approach major technology companies and say, would you like to sponsor us going here or there? Right. You know, right. and, and get not just a few dollars here or there, but a, you know, a few tens of thousands real, at a time. Real grants. Some real money. Yeah. 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 In, in order to, in order to do this, because, you know, the, uh, we have, uh, really big plans of which the, the radio show was, uh, step one. And it's kind of nice to see that it's uh, developing along the lines that we were hoping. Uh, it's just been, uh, you know, it's a very small shop over here. So mm-hmm. uh, when other things are going on, you know, Debbie has a, a very busy writing career and all that sort of thing. So it's it's fun when we can actually get out there. We're, we're going to be going back to Dragon Con. Uh, we were at TimeGate, the last TimeGate of all things. They, they are regenerating their convention. It's now going to be Hulanta. Uh, they have. I'm not I, sure that's an improvement. Well, you know, um, it sounds like it sounds like something you drink when you have gas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as it was explained to me, because the Stargate franchise has been dormant for quite some time, uh, and because the revival is at some point in development hell, that mm-hmm. their convention has adopted more of a British media Doctor Who theme more than ever. So it just seemed right for them to regenerate the name. Yeah, so well, yeah, but yeah, you know, uh, it still kind of sounds like half of one, half of another. But at least it identifies where it is. Which I, I, think I, is yeah. I suppose it does. I, you know, that's that's something that Susan and I were talking about. Uh, uh, we argue for, about naming conventions. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard ours, so it doesn't matter. Everybody's got to have a hobby. Well, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, and, you know, not just naming conventions, but naming conventions. It's well, all my emphasis. You Actually, know? you know, it's so funny because if you, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Geek names all the things in the lab, right? The way forward device oh, and, yes. and, uh-huh. and, and all that. And he named his pet bunny rabbit bunny, right? B-U-N-N-I. No, uh, and all that, that actually and so the, means something. There's a yeah. reason. And the the uh, running joke is everybody else goes, "Oh, Doc, you're not allowed to name things anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah, and I just the the writing. I mean, it, uh, uh, for those listening, if you haven't heard Doctor Geek, he's on Thursdays on uh, Krypton Radio. 
uh, once in the morning and once in the evening. And you really need to listen to the episodes because the writing is brilliant. Ah, uh, and you, and you think, you know, you have things like, uh, you know, quick, Rick, is there a back door in this place? Yes, Doc, it's in the back. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, that, you know, I, 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 because we speak in geek, there is so much, uh, so many references to other TV shows and, uh, other genres that it, it just seems natural. You know, there, uh-huh. for, for Ghostbusters is that, you know, uh, wait, uh, do you uh, do you smell anything? You know that kind of thing, and you're like, well, it's a smell. You don't hear it, you Listen, know. But but that's the joke on Ghostbusters. So of course we would do that again on Doctor Geek's Laboratory, you know, and stuff like that. But this is how and, geeks talk. Yeah. So it should be only natural for our listeners to understand it perfectly. Exactly. In fact, it was so funny. I I believe it was episode two. We decided to have a reference contest, and we, and we and we and we said, you know, uh, write it to us and tell us how many uh, things that we are referencing. You know, just just give us a number. You don't mm-hmm. have to. You don't have to tell us where it's from, but you know that would be great. You know, extra bonus points if you can. And, you know, so we had a, a master list uh, at home about what, how many things in that thing. And the winning uh, vote actually found four more. Uh, <laughs> because that you actually had on your list. Then okay. we had on our list. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay, good on them. You know, obviously you're <laughs> the winner. Um, but it was because it, it was just so natural. And then you, you realize you're, you don't realize you're quoting something when you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And it, it, the fact that the writing has actually been, uh, referenced a couple of times by other people about it, one of our strong suits is, is, uh, it warms my heart because I was an academic, uh, you know, in all, all these other jobs I've done. I've done a lot of technical writing, a lot of legal writing and, uh, educational writing and stuff like that, but it's all very academic. And, and then to find out that you can write comedy is another thing entirely. So that was great. And I really do owe a lot of help, uh, to the cast and crew because especially over time, they know that there are character voices and, and, you know, I'll present them with the script and then we'll kind of break it together and, and people will get their input in and go, Oh yeah, well, what about this joke here? Or, or Hey, can we do it this way? And, you know, by the time where we've polished things down, it's, you know, it's a really cool thing, a real collaborative effort. And what, what's even more fun is during the edit phase, we realize, you know, when we're actually fixing the timing on things and stuff like that, that there's even more we could do. So some things happen in the edit. So there's a few things that happen that uh, the cast isn't aware of until they hear it. Yeah, that's um, uh, that reminds me. I still have to do a little bit of finish work on episode six of, of uh, Halfway Home Adventures in the Asteroid Belt, which is our Halfway Home Doctor Geek crossover episode. Yes, yes. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's awesome. I I think that you know uh, having the opportunity to do a crossover is just fantastic, and I really thank you, Gene, for for letting me do that. And 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 I, you know, when you suggested, hey, we've got this spot that would be perfect for the Cobalt Parrots Cantina. You know, can we can we do it? Uh, I thought, you know, hey, it makes perfect sense to me. Well, and the next uh, frontier for <laughs> parrots, the final frontier. Yeah. We'll always have parrots. Yes. Oh, I hadn't thought of that one. 
<laughs> yeah, but, but, Very red dwarf, right? Yeah. Thank yep. you. Very good. But yes. I didn't really. Yes. Yeah, red dwarf. Red dwarf was actually making a a, a um uh it was the the uh droid meets metamorph episode and uh and they were actually of course you know making a Casablanca reference but uh right uh, it was Crichton but got a love story too yes <laughs> speaking of red dwarf i can't wait for the new season oh my god that's yeah, going to be awesome yeah ralph was at the uh um i think it was the cardiff comic con where chris berry comes out and says oh no no there's not going to be any more red dwarf we're done with oh, that we're speaking of two weeks later ralph carr our foreign correspondent yeah. Hi, Ralph. Hi, Ralph. Two weeks later, they announced series ten, uh, 11 and 12. And going, yep. Chris, you were lying. You knew you were lying. <laughs> he might have had a gag order. You never know. He's a smeg head. Yes. <laughs> but he'll never need a Zimmer, so, you know. Apparently not. Yeah, so. <laughs> we know what a Zimmer is. Um, yeah, so I'm currently working on some of the gags, but I was, uh, I was gonna say that, that Rick and Sam are so well established as characters that I just put them in this, I know the characters so well from listening to Dr. Geek's Laboratory that I can put them in this new situation and just let them run. <laughs> you know, and, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and they, fit, I, yeah. I, I looked over. I, I, you know, you sent me the 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 rough pages, and you know, and you know, it was it was something like okay. Now that gave me an idea because this takes place in what twenty thirties, right? You know, it's some point something in the like future. That, yeah. Uh huh. And and so I'm like, okay. So to make this really kind of cool, it would be great if uh, if during season three we make some uh, do some stuff so that when that episode of your show airs, it will all kind of connect. And and so I've been I've been coming up with some ideas. And you know, um, those that have been following the, the development of the Cobalt Parrots Cantina know that Doctor give them their own portal so they have that again those who have been following dr geeks can uh it dropped uh, for a moment yeah oh sure yeah those that have been following dr geeks laboratory know that the cobalt parrots cantina got its own portal we call it the back door uh because that's where it is and it's sort of an homage to howl's moving castle that was our intent Mm -hmm. so uh think of the the or, or think of the, the Cobalt Parrot's Cantina as a TARDIS, where the inside is the cantina, the outside door can go anywhere. Uh, and so we, we designed it so that maybe someday, uh, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte or Ben Franklin will walk through there and have a, a drink at the bar or something along those lines. So who's to say that the, uh, cantina doesn't have a, you know, a, a moment or two where the door opens up on, uh, your asteroid and, and next thing you know, they, they set up a franchise, you know? Well, that's, uh, that's the, 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 uh, Hmm. Well, maybe I can write into the script that they're going into the cantina through the back door. Yeah, that would be that would be kind yeah. of cool because you know that way it all kind of uh, connects what we're doing and okay. and you know I could just see you know uh, some episode of, of our of our third season where one or two of your characters happen to wander in, you know, not realizing that they're not where they should be. Yeah, that's uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'd like to go with it. Um, yeah, the. Uh, the uh, character that we have our characters meet in the Cobalt Parrots is the cook for the Cobalt <laughs> Parrots, whom we have not – you haven't established who that is. 
Right. But we create we created a character. His name is Bing Wen Hu. Wow, very good. Yeah, and he's Chinese. Bing Wen uh, Bing Wen means uh, uh, success or luck. <laughs> well, yeah. hopefully he has success yeah, uh, in cooking. Like, as in, well, as in on, a successful venture. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. also uh, a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine, which often works when other other forms of medicine don't. And uh, he's just what we need at that point in time. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. So that's that is awesome. who, H-U, as in doctor. <laughs> who? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> So we get to do a little uh, who's on first uh, reference there. And, oh, that's and, perfect. And I, I abridge that, you know, and, and and break the fourth wall a little bit and say, you know, <laughs> oh, we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I've seen this before. I've seen where this goes. We're not doing this. <laughs> well, that's that's the fun thing about uh, working with with uh, familiar tropes is that you know when to break them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I, I think that of all the things that we've done uh, on on Doctor Geek's laboratory, I, I you know I was paid a really good compliment the other day uh, that it's one of the few examples of upbeat science fiction that's currently out there. Uh, you know, I think we're all a fan of the post-apocalyptic or, or, you know, the, the, the kind of the dark, drizzy, uh, rainy future of like Blade Runner. I mean, that's mm-hmm. obviously got an appeal. Uh, but as far as a more of a upbeat, more of a Star Trek style, uh, future, Dr. Geek's laboratory is, uh, kind of out there, uh, out there at the end of the universe by itself. And it's kind of cool from what I've read of, of your show that there's a, a similar spirit. And it's uh, so I, I I think the characters will work well in both cases. Well, thank you very much. I certainly hope that's the case. Um, so, what conventions have you just come back from, and which ones are you going to next? Okay, well, we uh, just came back from. We just started our our. We just started our science fiction convention season and with a uh, time gate that became Hulanta, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be going to time Lord fest, uh, Jacksonville on the 9th of July and going to be uh, doing stuff there. What's really kind of neat is I'm going to be co-hosting the interviews with, uh, Andrew Cartmel, uh, from the, uh, doctor who era, uh, the seventh doctor, uh, era with the Andrew Cartmel master plan. If everyone remembers that, so getting to talk to him a little bit and then talking about the science of Doctor Who. And then after Time Lord Fest, we're going to be at Dragon Con. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, American Sci-Fi Classics track has got us doing a bunch of stuff. We're actually going to be moderating uh, panels. Debbie and I are going to be moderating panels with uh, the actor who played Flash Gordon and also uh, Melody Anderson, who was Dale Arden. But she was also the female lead in Manimal. Uh, which is oh. one of Debbie's favorite shows from the 80s. So uh, uh, really looking forward to doing that. And then, uh, of course, uh, the alternate history track and the Brit tracker got us doing stuff. We're, I'm going to be talking about the science of the fly, 
for that. And that's really kind of cool. Uh, you know, I was asked, can you talk about it? And beyond the transporter, what more can you say? And you're like, well, you know, who sets up uh, a teleport pod, you know, in their living room, you know, two inches from the kitchen? Yeah, there's not going to be any, you know, stray particles or anything else that might, you know, possibly go wrong there. It's So that was a lot of fun could, to research. What could possibly go wrong? Right, yeah, yeah no, I've got this totally under that's control. What could go wrong. And, uh, so yeah, so Dragon Con is going to be a big thing. And then of course, uh, at the end of, uh, July, we're going to be doing the Dr. Geek Science Fair in the town of Celebration. Ah, that's great. That sounds like a pretty full schedule. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and, uh, we'll probably be really tired by the time we're done with it, but it's cool because it gets us a chance to meet people and, and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and it's really kind of fun when people come and talk to, to us about it. And, and, uh, you know, I, one of the best things I, I got to do at TimeGate was just talk to one of our friends. His name is Harvey. Uh, hello, Harvey. Uh, and he listens to, uh, you know, Dr. Eek's laboratory and all the other stuff that we do and and so he came by our booth and just wanted to pick my brain about things like uh the cosmic waves that we that nasa's detected or you know the possibility of life on other planets and stuff like that and we had this great conversation for like an hour uh and you know it was cool he you know he would come by ask a question or two then go off and do something then circle around and come back again uh it was it really kind of cool and it was definitely a highlight for me there have been some pretty remarkable things happening in the universe of space sciences, uh, not the least of which I think you just mentioned, the detection of gravitational waves. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And they've, and done, it, they've done it twice now. Yeah, and what's great about that, it's something that people anticipated or thought should be there and then took about 100 years to prove it. And then within six months... It happened twice. Yeah. Well, once you learn that, how. Yes, once you learn how, it's it's a lot easier to get the second signal. I, I think and, what's great is you sit there going like, oh, you mean this? You're like, oh, my God. Uh, actually, the thing I saw the other day, and I want to know more about it, is the fact that, you know how uh, when it comes to, to dark matter, that they were always wondering, mm -hmm. where is it? Uh, and that idea that there's a lot more matter in the universe that it's, seems to be missing. It's behind the couch. Yeah, <laughs> no one ever looks there. Uh, exactly. Well, what I saw uh, yesterday was a report that suggested that possibly uh, where uh, that, you know, our universe is actually sitting on a sea of black holes. And that might explain where all the dark matter is going. And so that was just a really evocative image in my head when I read that. Oh. And, I'm, and so I want to know more about that. And, you know, and so some of that might show up in future moments of science or uh, in, you know, live pre presentations that we do. It's just really kind of cool. You sit there and like, wow, we're learning something new every day. And then SpaceX le stuck their landing. Yep, and uh, NASA is um, contracting them to do uh, a manned launch. Yep, and th that's pretty exciting. Oh, it's it's really exciting. And Blue uh, Horizon, Jeff Bezos's firm, has just stuck their landing. Yeah. Yep. And yep. That's, uh, you mean competition? Yeah, and, and uh, uh, the the Blue Horizon craft was always intended to be a, a tourist craft. Yep. You know, to start with. I want to go. 
Can we go? Oh man, it would be so grandastic, wouldn't it? It would just be, just be awesome if in my lifetime there's a chance to be able to do, I want to do a convention in outer space. That's what I want to do. I want to shoot a space movie in outer space. Can we do the, <laughs> can we do the moon is a harsh mistress on location? <laughs> that would be Filmed great. On location in outer space. Uh-huh. Star dance. You know, that's well. That's what they called. Uh, that's what that was the uh, the tagline on um, Hardware Wars, wasn't it? Mm. Filmed on I location think, in outer space. I think also was wasn't there a, a space tourist who actually uh, filmed some stuff that was hoping to use it as part of his film? I, I think I think at the time there was a problem with getting permission from NASA to use that footage. NASA uh, or the. Uh, the, the Russian space agency. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I think it was the International Space Station, but there was a problem that the, he went ahead and filmed stuff while up there and then had some problems with using it in his uh, documentary when he came back because it was like a fictional thing. They had no problem with an actual documentary, but if you were going to do fiction, they didn't want uh, like a, a bad reputation or, or a misleading idea of what happens out there because so few people get to go. Uh, I think that yeah. was the problem. And then eventually they saw the footage and saw what he was going to do with it. And I think he ultimately did, but there was like a, almost a year delay, I think, from the time he wanted to use it. Well, that sounds, uh, that sounds like bureaucracy at, at its finest. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so we know that's going to follow us into the future. Uh, I think, <laughs> but I think that that would be really cool. I want to do a convention in space. I want to bring the Dr. Geek Science Fair to the space station. That would be great. Or, or heck that. I want to go to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, geez, let's see. What else fascinating? That guy who made the, the, uh, the hoverboard that actually flies. Mm-hmm. Not the hoverboard that blows up. Not the one that blows yeah. up. Okay. You know, not, not, not the cheap ones that neither, that, that neither are, hover nor, nor are, are boards. Nor yes. are boards yeah. that uh, catch people's houses on fire. But, uh, uh a guy who built a, a green goblin style, uh, flying platform upon oh, which nice. he, upon which he stands it's uh it's got enough fuel to run for about uh uh what was it uh what 5 10 minutes something yeah something like that and okay. it flies at 90 miles an hour and has a maximum ceiling altitude of 10,000 feet oh uh, well that's fantastic but uh, no, that's i'm you... sure that's an engineering specification uh, if you actually tried that you'd probably kill yourself oh of course because you you're, you're you're standing on this thing going at 90 miles an hour that would be uh uh very dangerous i would think even if you stuck your feet to it you'd break off at the ankles right uh so now how is this one propelled do you know uh, it uses jet turbines okay because I, I know that some of the other ones that were happening that were uh, – I wouldn't say staged necessarily, but they actually used embedded tracks that you don't see. So they kind mm-hmm. of hide the fact that it's using you know, rails. Yeah, and, this and, one and, not so much because they took off, uh, they took off over a bay. Okay. And uh, So if he fell, so he wouldn't if he fell, hit he anything would, yeah, solid. Yeah, he, he'd hit the water. Okay. Just in okay. case, you know. But uh, – yeah, he uh, they had they were chasing him with boats. Oh wow, and, that's and, fantastic! And filming him, and uh, uh, no, he was definitely off the tether. There was no, and he was definitely uh, forty forty feet up, fifty feet. Oh up. my gosh! Yeah, that's not yeah. like hovering two inches off the ground. No, that's, no, not at all. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're right when you say it was more Green Goblin style. That's more. Uh, that's definitely more. Uh, a, a, a green goblin kind of a, a hover 
board thing, flying board, yeah, as opposed to the Back to the Future idea. Right, that's, and it's, that's it's cool. Uh, the whole device is, I don't know, maybe about the size of a coffee table, except not as tall. Cool. And uh, uh, he, so he, the Silver Surfer could happen. Right, and so right. He, he stood on this thing and he had a throttle control in his hand, and the rest of it he controlled uh, by balance. And uh, it's the same guy that in that created those water jetpacks. Oh right, you yeah, know, where I where, those. Uh, where it's actually uh, the the uh, propulsion mass is actually water that's being siphoned up from the lake, and you're tr- basically trailing a ski do <laughs> that that's that's uh, providing the uh, you know that's that's doing the heavy work of pumping that actual water, and you're just on the end of the nozzle going along for the ride. Well, unless you live on the waterfront, that's not a viable means of getting to work. Right, no. Right, it's, no. it's strictly a sport vehicle. Yeah. But, no, no. I, but, it's, it, yeah. but, you know, uh, one uh, innovation that has come to light that I thought was really kind of cool, and this is something that uh, I actually saw for the first time on Krypton Radio's website, was the the research done into the replicator that just came into being, where they realized that they take a high-power laser and um, beam it into a vacuum that they're able to control the uh, protons a little bit longer than anticipated so they could maybe manipulate them back into matter. Oh, yes. Oh, light, uh, matter from light. It's the strangest thing. And it, it's actually uh, it's actually not quite matter and it's not quite light. It's something else. <laughs> right. Something yeah, halfway yeah. between it, the two. It, but the idea about it, what, you know, what was great about that is that when I read the the headline that scientists think that they might have cracked the replicator, I thought, well, you know, here's a Heisenberg uncertainty principle problem and and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 I get it, I get it. So we're not talking about a transporter where we're going to have to reconstruct something that we broke apart. But we're talking about taking raw material and creating something new. I get that. Okay, so mm-hmm. you know we're, we're not trying to to like restore the consciousness of Captain Picard, but we can create his cup of Earl Grey tea. Uh, so th- that kind of made more sense. Well, and there's a uh, there's another gizmo that I read about. Uh, I think three or four weeks ago, where they take lasers and they uh, they use them to triangulate a hot point. In a cloud of essentially metal vapor, <laughs> and it it essentially fuses the metal into place in three dimensional space, right where it is. It's a new means of three D printing. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and it's uh, uh, so there it, the resolution of three D printing using this method is incredibly fine. Well, and that's always been an, uh, a big issue, right? Because when oh, yes. people people are are asking me about bioprinting and about the kidneys and, and stuff like that, yeah, the, uh, the you know, resolution has always been a big deal because uh, using conventional methods, we really couldn't. And so the question becomes, how do you create that pathway of, of capillaries and other mm-hmm. objects that are so small? And, and so there's, you know, different ways to do that. Do you create some sort of bio lattice and then allow it to grow naturally after a certain point and, and all these other things. But if you can get the resolution right, uh, then there's all sorts of things you could try to build. Uh, and so that's great if we, you know, because uh, really when it comes down to it, the, 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 the finest bit of resolution you could get on a traditional printer is the, the uh, diameter of the, of the, uh, uh spigot. 
you know, where yes. the stuff comes mm-hmm. out. And that's the best you can do, but this is much better. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty astonishing. And, uh, <laughs> and another really cool thing that I really liked was, uh, Boston Dynamics, um, oh, what do they call the thing? Uh, Spot Mini. Spot Mini, that was it. Yeah. The Boston Dynamics Spot Mini, which is the smallest of the quadrupeds they've ever built so far. And it's arguably more capable than any of them. This, oh, I love it. Is this it the looks, one we had the funny picture with it slipping on a banana peel? That's the one. Ah, <laughs> I can't stop watching that. And it and after it slips on the banana peel, it goes, okay, I'm no longer upright. Uh, let's mm-hmm. figure out where I am. And it uses its arm to right itself so that it can stand back up again and off it goes. I love it because it actually kind of has a, sort of like a velociraptor kind of look to it, you know, well, with and, the little head. And in part, that's because the little, if you look at the video for it, yeah, uh, it's got, they stuck googly eyes onto the manipulator <laughs> to make it look more like a velociraptor's head. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's got googly eyes. Yeah, in and fact, it, in fact, the email that I got from Adam Oracle, from, from Calliope, uh, who plays Madame Oracle on the show? She, uh, it, it it read "googly eyes," which was the title of the email. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Except that it's not the well. You, it doesn't have to have a big head because there's no brain in the head. Right. It's more like a Pearson's puppeteer, if you remember some some. Yeah, that's true. Science fiction. Yes, that's very true. Yep. Yeah. And it could it can do station keeping with the manipulator. You know, it's like the the manipulator stays stays in one place, and the entire dog robot dances around it while holding that uh, hand at exactly in the same place all the time, which is an astonishing feat. I can't do that <laughs> while I'm dancing. <laughs> yeah, it, it can do things humans can't do. Uh, it's just uh, this year, uh, and the year is only half over, but this year has seen some of the most amazing advances in technology and science. Uh, in particular, the cool stuff that uh, science fiction fans uh, have been imagining and seeing in our books and, and movies and television shows uh, since the 1930s. And now all of a sudden, wow, they really can have a rocket come back down and land tail first on the launching pad. This is- I know. Is that cool? It was very... Uh, uh- uh, Flash Gordon. You it, was, know? it was a proud moment for us geeks, I'll tell <laughs> it's you. Science from fiction. Science from fiction. Exactly. Science from fiction. I wonder where I heard that before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're vindicated. Yep. Yep. Better than being vindaloo'd. Well, I don't know. Actually, I, I used to curry today. You can curry <laughs> favor. I haven't had dinner yet. So. You can curry favor, but and you can favor curry. <laughs> Dr. Scott Vigay, a.k.a. Dr. Geek of Dr. Geek's Laboratory, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. Well, it is an extreme honor. Thank you both and, and any time. We had a great deal of fun, and we hope you uh, stop by again. You have been listening to episode 141 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for July 2nd, 2016. Our guest this evening has been the remarkable Dr. Scott Vigay, Dr. Geek of Dr. Geek's Laboratory of Applied Geekdom. 
Your hosts were Susan L. Fox and Gene Turnbow. This episode will air again on Sunday, July 3rd at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and then again on Tuesday and the following Saturday at 4 a.m., 7 a.m. Eastern. If you would like to be a guest on the Event Horizon, please contact our production manager, Kat Carter, at her email address, katcarter at kryptonradio.com. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us make some more of them, please go to patreon.com slash kryptonradio and pledge $5 a month or more. Five green pieces of paper a month, that's all we ask. The Event Horizon is copyright 2016 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon, it's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.